where you go, I'll go. Words to that song that's uh, a good introduction for this week and the Red Letter Challenge. There are five targets for the Red Letter Challenge, being, forgiving, serving, giving, and going. And this week we talk about going. We started with, be still and know that I am God. With being, we need to take a a moment. We need to pause. We need to recognize and, and kind of sit in the presence of Jesus, right? To make sure that we get that foundation and that identity and that relationship, but we don't just stay still. We are created to be in motion. In our lives, we go places. You ever drive around, you may be uh, late at night. It's dark. It's, you know, you're just, you want to get home because you've been out for a while or whatever, and there's traffic at like 11 o'clock at night. You ever look at people, you know, all the cars and the brake lights in front of you and the headlights behind you and you think, where is everybody going? This is not what I feel like I should be doing at this time of night. I mean, I need to get home, so, you know, today I need to be out here on the road. But who are these people and where are they going? Because probably not everybody's going home, but everybody seems to be going somewhere all the time. From the time we're little. We're stationary when we're first born, right? Can't even roll over. Eventually start rolling over. And then maybe crawling. And eventually walking. Then running. Then driving. And then we never stop moving at some point, it feels like. At some point, we do leave our childhood home. At least most of us do. I don't know of anybody that still lives in the house where they grew up and has lived there continuously. Anybody? No one in this room. This is a pretty transient uh, area for people. We're kind of always coming and going here. We might move to another city or state, maybe for school or work or for love. We go. Yesterday, we visited a college that um, has accepted Gina to be a student in the fall. So we went out and made that visit. About an hour and a half drive, and uh, she's facing a, a serious decision here in about, uh, I don't know, less than a month now. By the end of the summer, she'll most likely be going somewhere outside of the house. <laughs> it's time to get ready. We always need to be getting ready, right? When we're going to be going, there's getting ready that needs to be done. Most of the time, when we have a trip, The day before the trip, we call that packing day. You have a packing day, a preparation time because you need to make sure you remember everything and think through all the stuff you're going to need and gather the right thing, like do the laundry so that the favorite clothes are also clean because you want to take those on the trip. So there's preparation before any journey. And in our preparation as disciples of Jesus, we are blessed with faith in him. We're blessed with this faith in Jesus. Like I mentioned earlier, being is the foundation, the place where we start. And it's on purpose that it's the first of the targets in the Red Letter Challenge book. 
that the first of the targets is being is completely intentional because we have to be first. It's our preparation for everything, right? And so faith in Jesus as disciples, sitting in the presence of Him, sitting in God's presence, learning, growing, knowing, all of that is what makes us ready, well, for life, right? It prepares us for what is to come. So we need to start there, and let's not get too far from that. We have to always kind of keep coming back to being. These five targets aren't sequential, where we start with being and we go, okay, check that box, now we can move on. Keep coming back. We come back to being, we come to worship, we meditate on the Word, we spend time in prayer. We do those habits of disciples that keep us in a time of preparation. We don't prepare once and then travel for the rest of our lives, right? We don't do packing day one time and then go on a journey that lasts forever. We keep preparing. We keep doing. We stay in this communication with Christ because that's where we find his grace and his mercy. That's where we grow in him. And that's where he prepares us for what is to come for his purpose, Part of getting ready is to understand that Jesus calls us to be part of his mission. End of Matthew, chapter 28. We call it the Great Commission. Because just before the ascension, Jesus gathered his disciples there on the mountain. And he's about to go, right? And he's about to go in a way that is significant. This ascension takes Jesus physically from their presence, right? And so he commissions them for his purpose. And this is what it said in verse 19, Go therefore, go, (laughs) therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And there's more to it about teaching and this disciple-making process that Jesus commissions his disciples, his apostles then, to be part of is announced before the ascension, but it continues, it carries over into the identity and the DNA and the mission of the church. This is part of what we do as church. This is part. (laughs) We are part of the mission of Jesus. To go and make disciples didn't end with the twelve. If it had, this wouldn't exist, right? The gospel would never have reached us. Because when you think about it, there's an unbroken line of communication from that moment to you and me, to here, today. Somebody has told somebody what they heard, what they saw, what they've read, what they've believed, how it's impacted their lives. And so Jesus commissions, calls us to be part of that same mission of the church. It's the Great Commission, it's not a suggestion. And in the small group discussion for today, it says this, you are God's plan and there's no plan B. That's a quote from Chris Hodges. There's no plan B. Now, the Holy Spirit's at work, right? This isn't intended to be like pressure on us, like, oh my gosh, there's no plan B. We have to do this. 
right? The Holy Spirit's at work. The church is going to continue. And no matter, you know, if we participate or not, God's going to get it done. So we can take a breath, right? But we're part of it. It's part of who we are. It's part of our DNA as disciples of Jesus to be in this mission and to go. Commissioned by Jesus to join him. So get set. We're prepared, we're ready by the calling of Christ, by the gifts that he gives us, by the Spirit of God at work within us, by being disciples. So get set. And get sent. God has a history of calling and sending people. Just take that step back and think of the biblical narrative beginning in Genesis and ending in Revelation. And how often did God seek someone out and call them and say, now I want you to go over there. Even Abram, who became Abraham. God found him and said, I want you to go to this land. And Abram got up and went. And the faithfulness of Abram, Abraham, same person, Two different names. It's part of the narrative. The faithfulness led to the entire nation of Israel. Did God find other people and say, hey, I want you to go to this land? And they said, meh, we don't know. Could have been. But Abram did it. Abram was called and went to the land. Moses, as a descendant of Abraham, was born in Egypt when the people of God were there in slavery. And then placed in the basket, and you can read Exodus and get his whole, you know, backstory. Raised as the son of Pharaoh's daughter, so like Pharaoh's grandson, right? That's how he was raised, that's how he grew up. But having an identity, a connection, a relationship to the Hebrew slaves led to a whole situation. He fled. He was out tending sheep in the mountains when God got a hold of Moses and said, I want you to go back, back to Egypt, back there in order to lead my people out. So God called him and sent him into a very specific mission. What else? How about Jonah, who was sent to Nineveh? Went the long way, (laughs) thanks to a fish. And the disciples, as they were called, speaking of fish, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Those are some of the first words that Jesus says in the calling of his disciples. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And then the last words he speaks, go and make disciples. Follow me. Let's learn. Let's build a relationship. Let's understand how this is. Let's understand the grace and the love of God in Christ. Let's get this and now go. Spending three years with Jesus, they learned, they saw, they heard, they connected. And then they were sent. The word apostles, and we remember most of these men as apostles, right? It means sent ones, literally translated. It's from a Greek word, apostolos, so you can hear it. And it's sent. 
So the apostles were sent one, sent into mission, and they went. Peter and Paul's journeys recorded in the book of Acts took the gospel of Jesus into places in Asia and in Greece, and Paul ended up in Rome, and all of the journeys that they went on and all the churches that were founded. But it wasn't just those two who traveled. Tradition tells us that Andrew went to Asia Minor and to what is now Russia, that Thomas went to India, that Philip went to Upper Asia, Matthew, Egypt, and Ethiopia, that all of them went and laid down their lives as martyrs in the faith. That these people, these men who'd been with Jesus all went and did this in obedience to Christ because they couldn't not do it. Because he'd made that much of an impact on them, they had to go. And in our first reading today, we heard the story of Philip as he was going along, the Ethiopian eunuch there in the chariot who'd come to worship, then reading the Bible, and what's the Spirit say? Go, join that chariot. Go there, and what happens? There's the Word of God, there's water, there's baptism, there's faith. The gospel goes then to Ethiopia through this eunuch, this servant of the queen. This is what God has done, and he hasn't stopped. Now we are equipped to be his witnesses. The way Luke records in Acts chapter 1, similar to the Great Commission, similar scene, so we expect that it's you know, just a different version of the same words of Jesus. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We are at the ends of the earth, practically speaking, from Jerusalem and Judea. From Jerusalem and Judea, the Bay Area of California isn't close. And those of us who are traveling there this summer are going to know that because of a flight that's going to take a day and a half, it's going to feel like. We are the ends of the earth. It has reached us, but it started there in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria. We're not probably going to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, but we are at the ends of the earth. And if we think about it the way that it would work for us, you'll be my witnesses in San Jose and the Bay Area and California and the ends of the earth. See, for you and me, we can just insert different geographical belts around that same thought that we are now equipped to be the witness. Because it doesn't start here with be my witnesses. It starts with you will receive power when the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit fills you. The Holy Spirit then gives you this empowerment. It's a promise and a call. That calling, that equipping extends to the church. And the Spirit of God is upon us through the Word through baptism, by the power of God working in us, the Spirit is with us, who brings us to Christ, who gives us the gifts that we need, who speaks through us. The Spirit of God speaks through you. Did you know that? (laughs) There's a section about 
persecutions that will come. And Jesus is coaching his disciples to understand that, to be ready for it, to know that it's coming. And he makes this promise, for it is not you who speak, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. There's an assurance that the disciples get there. That the spirit of God will speak through you. That it's not your, don't worry about what you're going to say ahead of time. You ever been worried about what you're going to say? You ever practice the phone call? I mean, it's not always like, you know, a hard phone call. Maybe it's a, you know, something you're excited to do. I mean, the, the girl's cute, and you want to call her. So you practice how you say hello. I remember doing this. You know, it was, it was a while ago, so don't worry. <laughs> hello. Yeah, no, that's, that's not quite right. Hi. Oh, that sounds a little cheesy. And, but it's not just the hello, it's, you know, what stories do you tell? How do you interact? Is it how you, go, how you doing? Or is it, how's it going? Or, you know, so you practice, you ever do this? Am I the only one? Should we take a poll? Should we raise hands? Like, I don't know, this is kind of embarrassing. <laughs> oh, my kids are voting, they've done it. We do that. Have you ever gotten concerned about what you would say as a witness for Jesus? You ever thought, oh, you know, I really want to tell that person about Jesus, but I just, I don't know. I don't know what to say. Hello. Hi. Uh. Jesus makes that promise. It's the Spirit speaking through you. It's the Spirit of God putting words in your mouth. And have you ever experienced that? Because it's cool. There have been times when I've, you know, heard a question and I'm like, uh, and then I, my mouth starts moving and I start talking and I'm like, I, I didn't plan this. I didn't rehearse this speech. I didn't make notes in an outline and think about all that I was going to say and blah, here comes some words and like, that's cool. The Spirit of God does work like that still now. And the Spirit speaks through us in words and also in our actions. If we have a heart of forgiveness, if we can extend the peace of Christ to someone, if we can build a relationship with a neighbor, if we can serve the way a couple weeks ago we talked about serving, if we can be generous with the resources that we have, that the Spirit of God is speaking through all of those things that we do. See, these five targets are just all part of one picture one picture of the Spirit of God at work in us. So we don't need to fear what we would say because the promise of Jesus applies. You ever have a life-changing experience, good or bad? Something that you've been through that was like, wow, that's amazing. Or, wow, that was really hard. Either way, those are stories that we tell. You ever meet a person that's just completely life-changing for you? That's a story that we probably tell. I saw some spouses looking at each other. Good. You ever have that, uh, 
maybe experience, like customer service experience or like a meal. You ever have a meal? Like you eat something, like you go and it's just like from the time you walk in the door through the entire thing, it's like, wow, this place knows what they're doing. I was treated well. I had a good experience. The food was fantastic. Yeah. You ever tell somebody about that? This is how it works, right? This is, this is word of mouth advertising. And a lot of companies know that that is the most effective means of advertising for a business, a service, anything. It's the stories people tell about their own experiences. That's it. That's why, I don't know, do you get these things? Like, suddenly, in the last week and a half, two weeks, I've started getting text messages. It was spam emails for the longest time, right? About, you know, life-changing whatever. You should start taking this pill. I did, and it changed my life. Delete. <laughs> now I'm getting those on text. Ugh, they found me. They got my phone number from somebody. I hope none of you signed my phone number up for that. But it sounds like, right, it sounds like, hey, friend, you know, you should try this because it changed my life. There's somehow that gives you the, really? Do you have that moment? Really? Did it? Wait, I don't know who this is. This is spam. But they want me to feel like it's somebody telling me their own personal story and how it changed their lives. That's what they want me to feel like because that's the kind of story that resonates with us. That's the kind of story for us to tell. Have you met someone that changed your life named Jesus? Have you had a, an experience in his presence that has been like, wow? That's the kind of story to tell. That's what people need to hear. I mean, if you know all about the two natures of Christ and the genus myostaticum, which is Latin for something that I remember hearing at the seminary, and if you can understand all the intricacies of the Trinity, nobody can. Not even me or the seminary professors. If you can understand and tell everybody about all the things that God has done and how creation really worked and whatever, nobody really can. If you can answer all the questions, nobody can. Great. But if you can share your story, that's what makes a difference for somebody else. So get going. Get ready, get set, now get going. <laughs> because every journey begins with a single step. This week, what step can you take? What step can you take? We've been packing our bags. It's been preparation weeks. Now we need to get going. But don't pack your bags quite yet. <laughs> First, gather your courage. It takes courage to connect someone to Jesus. Get over the excuses and the things that we've, well, I've heard it said this way, get your butt out of the way. But I can't. But I'm not good at talking. Moses tried that. Didn't work. Get that butt out of the way and get out of your comfort zone. And consider your story. One of the challenges this week is to 
Think about your own personal testimony. I've heard testimonies from people that are just so unbelievably powerful because they've been through really hard suffering, that they've experienced these really low depths, and that Jesus came and found them in those places and pulled them out, and this addiction was overcome, and this hardship was released, and this burden was let go of, and this forgiveness that needed to happen happened, and all of the really terrible backstories. Have you heard those kind of stories? They're great. Maybe you have one. Fantastic. My story is kind of boring. Not really. I was born into a family that worshipped Jesus, and I was taken to the church from the time I was a tiny kid, and I was baptized when I was really little, and I grew up in it, and I'm steeped in it, and I've never known anything else. And if I had it to trade, I wouldn't. (laughs) Even for the powerful testimony, because my testimony is this, God has had a hold of me from the time I was tiny. And he's been at work in my life from the time I was a young boy. And he's trained me and molded me and shaped me to be his disciple. That's not a boring story. It's just a longer story. God didn't do all that work in a day. He did it over the course of years in order to make me the person he needed me to be for the place I would be in my life. And he shaped you for the purpose that he has for you. Where are you going? God calls us near and far. Not everyone is called to pack your bags, sell your stuff, get on an airplane, go to the other side of the world. So relax. If you thought, oh no, now we're all going to be somewhere else in a different country. But some people are called to do that. Kip and Ivy, we've supported them for a number of years here as a congregation. They're going to be here next month. Do not miss that Sunday. Which Sunday is it? 22nd? Be here on the 22nd of May. Because Kip and Ivy are going to share stuff that they're doing on the other side of the world in Asia where they serve. They were called to go there. They left the life and the comfort and everything they knew and everything they had. They raised their kids in a culture that was unfamiliar. They learned a language culture, a people, and they have served faithfully for this number of years. Has it exploded? And look at this fantastic, you know, huge number of believers. No. But have individuals come to faith in Christ through them? Yes. And does God care about each and every individual person? Absolutely. Cares enough to send his son, to be the Savior for each of those individuals and for you and for me. And he has sent us this grace that's found nowhere else that is now ours to give away. Kip and Ivy get to give it away where they live. You and I get to give it away where we go. So where are you going? For some, the mission Journey is closer to home. Maybe it's inside the house. Maybe there's somebody that you know, a family member even, who needs to know and understand the grace of Jesus. That might be a harder process. I remember a long time ago, uh, one of the spoke folk tours that I did, 
Gina and I did a Spoke Folk tour last summer. If you heard all about it, great. If not, ask me about it sometime. I'll tell you more than you want to know. But um, I was a, a teen, and I was on this bike tour, and I got to sing a solo as part of the musical program, and my words were, I'd rather go to Africa than Lakewood High and give my testimony. And sometimes that would be easier because we feel kind of foolish or maybe it's hard or maybe that family member doesn't listen to us when we start talking matters of faith. Be faithful, even still. Maybe your journey is just across the street. We've talked for a number of years about joining Jesus on his mission, about being missionaries in our neighborhoods, about people who are around us regularly who don't yet know Jesus. Because everybody needs Jesus, so that's our reality. And here's a question, if not you, then who? Let's get going. I'll close with words from Romans chapter 10. Verses 14 and 15. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how... How are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? We're sent. Let's go. Amen.